Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We are absolutely thrilled you turned in today and glad that you would spend this time with us and uh, as we talk about so many important things, but most of all, the common theme on this podcast is just the simple declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And uh, we hope you find as much comfort and hope and strength in that declaration as uh, we do and as the the Church of Jesus Christ has for several millennia. So uh, anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, yeah, we had a lot going on at church recently. Oh my goodness. We had a, um, last night, of course, for you watching, it will be a week ago. Yep. But last night here, we had a, uh, a, a powerful meeting on Monday night, our public square meeting. Yeah. And I, uh, just to backtrack a little bit, you know, of course, you have helped launch what we call market share. Yeah. That, that was the market share and public square are two ministries that we've had it kind of in our hearts here for a long time. We know that the job of the church is to encourage and equip marketplace people, which is the vast majority, as you pointed out, of, of the people sitting in church on Sunday. But we also know that we cannot, you know, ignore or neglect what's happening in public policy with what's happening in government because government touches all of our lives. And so last night we kind of relaunched a ministry that we've had kind of around for a little while, but, it, but I really feel like now is a time for that ministry to to really emerge you know there, there there's a timing in the things of the lord and this was definitely a sense of timing you know as you saw on sunday i tried to uh, to really hone in and it wasn't like y'all come if you love your country you know come on out because our whole church would show up yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh that wasn't it, the call the call was really if you have a, if you have a specific burden or a calling to public policy and public service um, come on out. And, you know, I had a lot of people texting me, they were out of town on business or whatever, they couldn't make it. But we still had 80, I think 83 people showed up last night. Yeah. Uh, we met in the sanctuary and, uh, and it was just a fun, energetic, a lot of vision. Uh, these are people who love Jesus, love the local church and love their community, love their nation and want to make a difference. And it was, it was exciting. Yeah. You know, People consider, and this is something we teach in market share, among other things, like what we do is a calling. Yeah. What we do is absolutely a calling, um, whether it's in the church. And a lot of times we just think, oh, if you're a pastor, that's a call. You're a missionary, that's a call. That's not true. Right. Uh, we have everything we do should be a calling unto the Lord. So that means when you're, you're going to be a doctor, well, that's a calling. You want to be a teacher, that's a calling. You want to be a frontline leader, that's a calling. What about calling to be a public servant? Yeah. A statesman, I don't want to call a politician, a right. statesman to represent the people and to lead well with integrity and honesty. That's absolutely calling. In fact, I think our lack of viewing the public service as a calling is what's leading to the degradation of a nation today. I think you're right. And I think, you know, as parents, you know, we're not encouraging our kids just to get a job. Yeah. You know, I think that the calling is so much higher in, in that, you know, what is it? Who are you? How has God made you? How has he gifted you? What is God's assignment? What is his mission for your life? And that's really captures what it means to, to have a calling. And so a lot of these folks, you know, are either brand new in the game or they've been serving, leading, you know, out there on the front lines, you know, for a long time. We're, yeah. we're blessed to have a lot of really good leaders at our church. But if you were not there last night and you're interested in the public square ministry, I encourage you just to call the church office here at Living Stones and just say, hey, I watched Pastor Ron and Andrew's podcast and we... We, uh, you know, we want to be on that list uh, and then we'll get you, we'll send you updates, notifications, all that. But basically, we're eventually looking at doing maybe a, a counterpart to market share. So you guys 
uh, meet on a Saturday morning. There might be an, you know another Saturday morning or whatever time we land on when a public square can meet. Yeah. But the whole focus of this ministry is promoting righteousness uh, in the public arena. And we know, uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We know that righteousness exalts the nation. Sin is uh, what brings nations down. And, um, and we're just looking for good people, you know, to get involved and uh, to, to represent kingdom. You know, that was one big point we brought out last night was this isn't about political parties. This is about bringing kingdom solutions and the good news of the gospel to situations uh, that we're facing in the public arena, especially government. So yeah. I was I was excited about it, uh, and I'm really I'm really looking forward to see where this goes. Plus, you know, I, I could walk by this morning looking at our field out there, realizing in our parking lot that there's going to be a wonderful new addition happening, which I believe is really going to facilitate a lot of much larger gatherings uh, in this particular arena and, and whatever arena. I mean, it's just going to open up a, a venue that's going to really help us host yeah. some really, really awesome events. So I, I'm, I'm jazzed. It was a great night. Yeah, I think uh, created for a time such as this. You know, our, our nation is really at a cross point in many different ways. Yeah. And we really need engagement from righteous people who has a relationship with God, who hears from the Lord, and uh, it's time for engagement. Absolutely. And we were just saying, you know, at the end of the day, the reason we're in the mess that we're in uh, is uh, disengagement of our disengagement. Yeah. yeah, you know. So we're not we're not looking to government to be the savior. You know, we're not looking at politics to be the vehicle which rescues America. It, it's that's the job of Jesus and His church. But we do need to get involved and to and, and we're we're watching what's happening. You know, tonight uh, as this is again as a, a filmed a week ahead. Tonight is the State of the Union address. Our president has all-time historical low approval ratings. We're now circling the uh, the Capitol with fencing again. So it's like uh, it's like our leaders are put in prison and they're hiding behind a fence for, for God only knows what reason. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this, it, you know, we got a war going on that's that's largely due to American uh, energy policy uh, or the lack thereof. Uh, anyways, it, it is a time where literally America is under siege and. Uh, Gas prices soaring, inflation, all these kind of things. So uh, if there, now's the time to get involved, and now's the time to lead, and now's the time to, uh, for first and foremost, to return to the Lord, and uh, and I think that's important. But as it relates, you know, all of that as it relates to to worldview, you know, I started off the meeting last night sharing a little bit of my journey uh, in, into public policy, and um, something that was, you know, incredibly transformational for me was going off to two Christian universities where I was introduced to the concept of, of a biblical worldview. And one thing about worldview, and we hit this on this on this podcast, it's that Jesus is Lord of everything, and that means government. And when you understand that, it changes how you pastor. A lot of pastors that I work with, they say, no, government, stay out of our lane, government's not our call, you know, nor is anything else. The only thing that's our call is, you know, caring for people's souls and getting them to heaven. But many times pastors that have that view have no worldview training, and that's why they have a very narrow, myopic, you know, short-sighted view of what, what a shepherd does, you know. And um, so anyway, that's why I think it's we're looking for kingdom-minded people who understand that the church should be involved in just about everything because Jesus is Lord over everything. And we shared this in Marker shirt too. During the Enlightenment, there was these views introduced that says there's these empirical, practical, scientific 
uh, truth that you can discuss in the public arena. But then you got these little truths, which are your personal, philosophical, religious view, right. um, that that you got to keep in private. So again, that's not the kingdom of God, nor is that how Jesus lived, no. nor is that how the early church father lived. In fact, that was a great thought from Aristotle that kind of creeped in to to the early church later on. So we need to understand historically why we think the way we think. So that 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 re, 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 repulsion from public square about uh, the truth of the scripture came from these these non-Christian perspective, right. but has that has been indoctrinated, ingrained into our our collective mindset throughout history, and we don't even understand that. And we got to recapture and re-understand the the truth in the scripture. Yeah. People think it's like, oh, that means you're a big D or DR or or or, or parties, and you're rooting for this party. They, they presume that when we engage in public square, our church wants more power or the pastor wants more power. No, I don't want more power. I don't want more responsibility. Yeah. What, what we want is we want the glory of God to come through. And I think that's the understanding. That's what motivates us. It's not power. We want righteousness. We want peace in our country. We want our kids to live in freedom and liberty. It's the urgency. I think stern all across America. All these normal citizens are getting engaged, not because we want more power and we want more money or prestige. No, we want we want our nation to be healthy. We want our nation to be prosperous, to be peaceful. We want the world to be peaceful. Yeah. You know, you know, public service is just that. It's public service. It's, it's about serving, and we and we believe that the gospel elevates everybody. So it's not like we're trying to impose. You know, through power, uh, our viewpoint any more than the the the, the ungodly are imposing yeah. their viewpoint through power. Uh, we're going to go through the same processes, the same Republican processes and forms of government. Uh, Christians should have access to those, just like everybody else. We're, we're just going to be salt and light, yeah. uh, just like uh, ungodly folks are being are being uh, influential in their particular roles. So. Uh, well stated. You know, the other thing, we're talking a lot about shame right now on, on Sunday morning. And, and uh, if you are tuning in and you haven't um, been able to, to see or watch, we I think we're in our fourth fourth or fifth week on this now. But it's been phenomenal. The feedback we're getting is tremendous. And I got to see it played out in the men's encounter that we just had. We had over 100 men who last weekend. They were just getting powerfully touched by the Lord. Uh, we've got a, our women's encounters already sold out. We've got the next wave of encounters coming in the fall. So I encourage you, if you're if you're hungry for freedom, again, call our church office and and, uh, and register for that encounter in the fall. It'll be life changing. But I, I think the encounter yeah. speaks to our commitment to freedom. Yeah. Not just on the national level, but on the personal level. Because yeah. a political organization, if they're strictly about politics. Um, you know, they just engage on that level. But we're like, no, our commitment is to freedom, period. Even personal freedom, yeah. even the encounter tells a story of what we're committed to as a organization, well, as a good. church body. And you and I both know there, there's no there's no freedom, external freedom that doesn't first of all start on the inside. Absolutely. So, and I've been, you know, we've talked about this, but I, I'm firmly convinced that the church is so full of shame and guilt uh, and we're not free. And if we're not free, we have zero power to set other people free, to set captives free. So the first thing the Lord has to do is heal this church, yeah. and uh, and we've chatted about this. Most church environments are not um, shame killing environments; they're shame creating environments. Every, everybody harboring, yeah, everybody keeps hiding behind yeah. their whitewashed walls to look good, but on the inside of that sepulcher, as as Jesus pointed out, there's dead men's bones. You know, there's a lot of rottenness. So we want to bring our rottenness to the cross. We want to bring our our ugly garbage and junk out in the open uh, with in a safe place where people can 
hear what's going on and pray with us and we can be forgiven and healed because of what Jesus has done for us. And we saw that happen uh, all across uh, these men uh, during this last weekend. I mean, just the stories of God's supernatural power and healing were amazing. But it all happens, as you know, when men are willing to come forward and say, Pastor Andrew, you know, would you pray with me about this? I've never shared this with anybody, but I need to get this off my heart. You know, when a man can unload or a woman can unload uh, that kind of brokenness or pain or hurt or shame, it is a powerful start of healing. Yeah. So anyway, great, great time. But let's go back and recap for our, uh, our listening audience here, uh, kind of where we were at a couple of weeks ago. I, pick, I picked up uh, the baton after you did a spectacular job uh, talking about shame's story. Mm-hmm. And we went to uh, Matthew chapter 3, and we talked about the baptism of Jesus. Yeah. And the point I was trying to make is that Jesus Christ is our role model in everything. He, he came as the Son of Man to demonstrate for us what a man uh, without sin and fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit is supposed to look like. Yeah. Really like to restore the original Adam, right? Jesus is the second Adam. So he's, he's going to show us what the first Adam was supposed to look like and act like. And, uh, and you don't often think about Jesus dealing with shame because many times we view shame through the lens of something I personally did wrong. And, of course, Jesus was without sin. But Jesus faced a lot of shame. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with suffering. He was despised. He was rejected. All of those things are, are an attempt of the enemy to throw shame on our life. Yeah, when we, when we think the word shame, we think about like some secret sin or yeah. like you look at pornography or you cheated on your spouse or what, like we think about, that's where our mind goes to. Right. But really the subtlety of shame is much more devious. Shame is the subtle message that you are not enough and yeah. that you are not valuable. Yeah. And I think we need to clarify that because a lot of times we, we, we get confused. We think it's some other issue and we don't identify that shame speaking to us. Yeah. It's more than just you did something wrong. It's that you are not enough and you're not valuable. Those two points, you did, you did an amazing job of highlighting. And I try to pick up on that as it relates to Jesus. Yeah. Because it's very simple. You know, you're not enough. You're not valuable. That's a really uh, powerful one-two punch that shame uses to take us out. And and as I pointed out, and as we're going to see from Jesus' life, uh, shame's goal is twofold. It wants, it wants to get us off mission because if we're off mission, we're we're not effective. We're really wasting our lives. And then secondly, uh, he wants to attack our identity. Uh, that's what shame does. It's, an, it's a frontal assault on our identity as men and as women of God. And um, and it twists and it warps and it, it, it uh, uh, freezes us. It keeps us from moving forward. Yeah. Uh, it paralyzes us uh, from the assignment. And you can have everything in the world, but when your identity is twisted, when there's a cloud over your identity, yeah. man, you cannot function. You're not yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I brought up a number of points and jump in here with you and flesh this out. But we're saying, first of all, you know, here Jesus is at his baptism. He doesn't need to be baptized because of his sin. John's baptism was the baptism of repentance for sin. And John even acknowledged that. He said, why am I baptizing you, Jesus? You need to be baptizing right, me. Right. And when, when John saw Jesus, he said, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. So that's what Jesus was doing. He was taking our place. But the point I wanted to highlight was Jesus was on mission. And the way I describe mission for all of us is that we're living a life pleasing to God. We're living in obedience and we're pursuing what you highlighted was the call of God on our lives. And that's what Jesus is doing. I mean, yeah. Jesus is on mission. He, he, this is the beginning act, public act, that launches his, his, his ministry. Uh, 
after this point, Jesus hasn't healed anybody, saved anybody, any of that. He, he's been in obscurity, basically, as a, as a faithful son. He's 30 years of age, and he's beginning to, to, to step into his ministry. I think this is a, a great demonstration of what the call of God looks like. And the call of God could be different for different seasons. For the first 30 years of Jesus' call, he worshiped his father as a probably a humble carpenter till he's 30, while as a as a obedient son yeah. to earthly parents to which he created, you know, from his own yeah. wisdom, wrap your mind around that. Yeah. But he submitted himself unto unto that authority as a yeah. as an example for all the people. But in, for the first 30 years, he had a specific call, and he submitted to that call, and, and he, he, worshiped, he worshiped his Father in heaven through the submission to that earthly call. Now at 30 years old, he's anointed to a completely different call. Yes. You know, and I think that's the point. It's when we're called, it's like the, the Father saying, hey, son, come do this. You know, when I tell my son, hey, go clean your room. That's a call for that season. <laughs> you know, he's not going to be cleaning his room forever, right. but for that season, that's his call. If he can master that, there's bigger things ahead. There's bigger things ahead. Now brush your teeth. That's a call. <laughs> now pack your backpack. That's what. That's my morning routine, my kids. You know, it's a call. It's the same yeah. thing. And now Jesus is entering to the next part of his call. Yeah. So, so if you're going to be shame-free, point number one, which yeah. you, you have to be on mission. Otherwise, yeah. live your life in obedience to God, you know, be concerned with pleasing the Father. And then something radical happens. So in the act of his baptism, the sky is literally torn open. I don't know what that looked like, but it wasn't just like the clouds parting. This was, this was a sovereign, dramatic, powerful act, which was likened to the same Greek word as there when the temple uh, curtain was ripped in half yeah. on Jesus' resurrection. Or at that, that was at the occasion of his death. Uh, temple was ripped in two. And the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, again, in that Holy of Holies, Holy Spirit released uh, into the earth, uh, the prophetically speaking um but anyway it was a it was a powerful powerful um picture that i brought out of god's favor and you know it's it, if you're living in the favor of god that means you recognize god's hand of blessing is on your life it's hard to live under in a shame under that blanket of shame because god almighty is for you who can be against you yeah. uh, so when you're living on mission and you're submitted to god your conscience is clear and you're moving in the favor of god and when you're moving in the favor of God, it's like the wind of heaven at your back. Yeah. And so you're not bogged down by fear. You're not bogged down by these terrible thoughts about your worthlessness or whatever, where the devil tries to attack you because you know you're a beloved son or daughter. And then the third thing we talked about, so as Jesus, uh, the sky is ripped open, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, the Bible says, and rested on Jesus. Talk a little bit about why is the Holy Spirit so, I guess, so important in helping us live shame-free lives. Yeah, I mean, I thought this is a beautiful picture because the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus are in a trini Trinitarian um, in a communion and relationship. And that's a mystery that I can't even get my brain to yeah. fully understand that. But that love and that communion, that fellowship is so important. So it's, it's, a, it's crucial. Whenever you talk about the Trinity, you talk about mystery because it's, it's a primal character of who God is. That yeah, God exists in relationship. God exists in a communal relationship, intimacy and vulnerability with each other, yeah. which we have a hard time to understand because because of sin, because of the fallen world we live in. But that's the original state that God has that God exists in, and then He modeled with Adam and Eve, and of course, sin comes in and messes up everything. Absolutely, so, we're, but we're talking about that in future weeks about yeah. how important it is that we live in. If we're going to be battling shame effectively, we need to be living in a healthy community. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, here the, here the Holy Spirit comes right. down empowers Jesus, rests upon Jesus. Jesus was a carrier of the Holy Spirit, uh, fills him, empowers him. And then you hear the Father 
And, and I love this because we're both fathers. And yeah. when, when you're just overwhelmed with love for your kids, you can't contain that that yeah. passion. And out of the father's heart comes this incredible declaration that this this is my son. Yeah. So when we, when we go back to the to the two things that shame says, you're not enough, mm. and you're not valuable. God addresses these in His Son at that moment. Basically, when He says, "This is My Son," you know, "This is My chosen one, yeah. My Son," yeah. he, He's saying, "Hey, you're enough. You know, you you have what it takes. Yeah. I believe in you. I believe in. I called you. I, I called you. you. You are My chosen one. Right. That word chosen is yeah. so powerful. Yeah. Uh, so it was an endorsement that Jesus is the Redeemer, the Savior, the Lamb of God. Everything that." that he's intended to be for the last 30 years, he has been faithful to yeah. that call. And God said, I basically, son, you have, you have what it takes. You have, you have enough. I, yeah. I believe in you. And then he said uh, about how much he loved him. He, he is the son who brings the father's heart, joy and pleasure. Mm. And what a, oh man, what a, what a loving endorsement of, of affection uh, that just says, son, you, you are valuable to me. You are, you are special. You have a, a dear place in my heart that no other person holds. Um, and that's exactly what we long for in life. Yeah. You know, so much of the encounter testimony was about father wounds or mother wounds, which basically communicates abandonment, rejection. It, it communicates the opposite of this message, and it feeds into shame. And so here you have God the Father saying, Son, I'm proud of you. You're my chosen one. You have what it takes. And, and, and God was being very intentional with this public endorsement of his son, because as we know, yeah. Jesus is getting ready uh, to go into the wilderness to be tempted. And God's strategic in setting his son up for success. Uh, and I just think, again, in our lives, how important it is for frank, godly friendships, for a vertical relationship with the Father where we're worshiping him, spending time in his word, so that we know what God thinks about us, we know God's heart for us, especially as we're getting ready to go into a challenging time or a wilderness season or a trial or a test. We need to be grounded in our identity in Christ. Yeah, and I, I think of that book written by John Eldridge, um, Father by God. For those who haven't read it, it's a it's a crucial book for men. It talks about the developmental phase a man needs to go through in that order um, to kind of really restore his identity. I, I'm not going to get too much into it, but the first <laughs> stage of that developmental process is the beloved son. And he even gave an age frame, which again, that's flexible. But the, the point is, in the early developmental phase of a man, uh, if he doesn't feel like the beloved son, if he doesn't experience that 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 that, uh, that passage of time of knowing how much his father loves him, adores him, and cares for him, and and chosen him, yeah. then then it's going to be really difficult for the rest of the different phases. And Jesus even is even living that out. I mean, you can imagine as a young boy, his parents probably adore him, love him, care for him. You see a little glimpse in the in earlier in the Gospels when they talked about you know when they lost him. Um, but even here, before his ministry starts, he's going through the microcosm of his heavenly father saying, hey, I've been watching for 30 years. Man, that's a long time, 30 years. It is. I've been watching for 30, 30 years. years of relative silence, obscurity. Yeah. We don't really know much about Jesus during that time. But but uh, he's been he's been a faithful he's son. A faithful son, and then his father says before before you before you go through and you have to battle, you got to face temptations, and you're gonna face fierce attack from the enemy left and right, emotional ups and downs for the devil himself. I'm gonna equip you. I'm gonna equip you with what you need the most. That's interesting. The most is his identity and that he is chosen, that he is enough. Yeah. So so we have we have the father's love and affection coupled with. 
the Holy Spirit's empowering. Yeah. You know, and this is so important for us today. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father to bear witness in our hearts of our sonship, right? I mean, how do we know that we're sons of God? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, Christ our Abba Father. Yeah, in our hearts. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us that we're, that we're chosen and we're beloved and that God uh, says in Christ we're enough. And that he gives us the power to live above the, the debilitating effects of shame. Yeah. Uh, and the Holy Spirit's the revealer of the secrets of our heart. So he's the one that helps connect the dots. I always share this at the encounter, how amazing the Holy Spirit is, because he'll show you things you've never seen about yourself before. Or he'll show you what, what, when this situation happened, what God was trying to do, you know. And, and he, he brings the truth into light. And so we have been absolutely set up. We have a mission and calling from God. Mm. We have an open heaven, a favor that God is for us. In other words, we're, you're, you, God will finish what He started in you. Uh, yeah. You don't have to worry about that. God will never leave you or forsake you. We have the Holy Spirit being poured out, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what God's called us to do. And lastly, we have the Father's endorsement. You have enough in Christ. You have everything that you need, and I do too. And we are greatly loved, greatly valued, cherished. Uh, we, we are the object of the Father's love and affection. And that is a place of security that we operate in. So that was the thing Jesus modeled for us in dealing with shame, is if we'll operate in those five areas uh, and we'll stay uh, centered on our calling and stay focused on what the Father says and not what the devil is saying and what the enemy is whispering in our ears, um, we have some effective strategy just like Jesus for dealing with the, the attacks of shame in our lives. And wow. I think it was a powerful, powerful picture God's given us in his word. So when we come back next week, we're going to follow up on that. Uh, and we're going to deal with how Satan literally went after and attacked the identity of the Son of God. So we hope you'll join us next time. We also appreciate your feedback. Uh, you're sharing this, liking it. Uh, commenting on it, all of those things help us get the word out. Um, and so, I, and and who doesn't need some help with shame? Only everybody who's breathing. All right. So, uh, so uh, help us uh, be the spreaders of good news and hope uh, and joy for people who maybe uh, need some help right now. All right. But thank you for tuning in. Uh, for Pastor Andrew and I, uh, we look forward to meeting you again next time we're together. Until then, have a great week.